Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. We have had a lot of weddings this fall. There's one a few weekends ago, one last weekend, two this weekend, all kinds of weddings. And so if you haven't been invited to one lately, you are today. And if you have been invited to one lately, this one is even better. This is the Lord's invitation for all. We'll hear more about that in our service today. For our opening hymn, please note that the small group will sing everything through verse 3, and then verses 4 and 5, the congregation's invited to join along. Blessed are 
Please stand. invite us to trust in you for our salvation. Deal with us not in the severity of your judgment, but by the greatness of your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. When you receive an invitation to a wedding, usually there will be a little check that you can place next to what you want to eat for dinner. Well, here in this first lesson from Isaiah 25, we get to see what the spread is going to be at this banquet that the Lord invites us to. And notice what is not on the menu. No death. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines, on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Praise 
When you receive an invitation to a wedding, the invitation is usually some special colors, some special writing. Recently I received an invitation to a wedding that was a little wood carving. Just amazing. But there is no invitation more beautiful than the gospel. It's God's powerful invitation to this banquet of salvation. A lesson from Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The word of the Lord. Please stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel from Matthew 22, the basis for today's sermon. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot, and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Please be seated for our next hymn, 573.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon, the gospel from Matthew 22. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When you receive an invitation to a party, what determines whether you'll go or not? For some people, it's all about the food. Will there be Parker John's there? Or Meat Lover's Pizza? I'm in. Or, does it mean I won't have to cook supper for the family? Well, let's pack up the kids and go, honey. For some, it's all about the food. For others, it's all about the schedule. Well, we've got nothing else better going on. Sure, we'll come. For some, it's all about the expense. How much is this going to cost me to get in? Do I have to buy a gift? How much time will I have to spend picking that gift out? And, and will it be appreciated or will others look down on it? For still others, it's all about the people. If this invitation comes from a dear friend or a family member or classmate or another congregation member, I'm going to rework that schedule and drive as far as I need to. That party's important because of the people. Today, the Lord himself hands you an invitation to the best party ever and says, come, come to the banquet. It's completely prepared. And you need to be correct in your apparel. This section of scripture from Matthew 22 ends up being the third in a series of stories that Jesus told during Holy Week while he was teaching at the temple. Jesus was there talking with the Jewish leaders. His disciples were also there. And several people, Jews, gathered crowds in the temple as well. Yet when Jesus tells a parable or a story, he doesn't just do that to be imaginative or entertaining. He tells a parable to realign your soul and your life according to what is important, most important to the king himself and what's going to be most beneficial for you. A parable has often been called an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But to think that it has a heavenly meaning doesn't mean that it's just for a distant time and some far-off place. No, this is for you and for me, right here and right now. Just as a couple will often spend months or even years preparing for their wedding, oftentimes they'll make lists, send out save-the-date cards and invitations, sample foods and secure a venue. So the king here did an awful lot of preparing for this wedding banquet. He sent out waves of servants with invitations. The Lord, the king, did this in the Old Testament. He sent out prophet after prophet to different areas of his people in different generations of his people. And we got to hear one of those invitations in our first lesson from Isaiah 25. This amazing banquet on the mountain of the Lord with the finest of meats and the most delicious of wines. 
Jesus sent out servants as well. His disciples, the apostles, when he sent them out among the sheep of Israel. And then the king said, everything is prepared. Actually, he said, I have prepared my banquet. This banquet that the king invites you to today was all prepared by the Lord himself. All the effort and expense, all the work and the worth, all of the planning and all of the production of it, it's done by the Lord, his own work. So the Lord sent his son for us. Also, it talked about him butchering all of the cattle and the oxen and, and those things. Uh, for this banquet that the king invites you to, there was a butchering of sorts. Actually, the original word is sacrifice. In order to be prepared for this banquet, Jesus himself, a bloody, violent, deadly sacrifice at the cross, and when he said, it is finished, everything was complete. Completely prepared, this banquet is ready. Jesus, now risen again from the dead, the king says to you, come. He sends his messengers to you, come to the banquet. It's completely prepared. But when the king sent messengers to his subjects, how was that invitation received? Either with ignorance, ignoring it, or with violence. One went off to his field, concerned with things about his home. Another went off to his business. Work was just more important. Still others seized his messengers, mistreated them, and killed them. If you read the book of Acts, you can see this unfold. Stephen stoned to death, James beheaded, and the Jews were pleased about this. The apostle Paul stoned, beaten, imprisoned. The invitation of the king was received with violence and ignorance, just apathy. Yet here is where this parable, this story comes to life because that has happened among us and within us too. How we've received the invitation from the king. Children who say to their parents, why do we have to go to church? I don't want to. Longtime church members who snap back, I know all that stuff already. I'm just fine. Leave me alone. Or when extra opportunities to come to the king's house or to sit down at a table and chew on God's word a little bit with other subjects of the king, when those times come up, grumbling and muttering, why do we have to do that? The invitation comes to people and it's received the same kind of response among us and within us. Or there's just distance in some cases and the invitation gets left on a stack buried underneath leagues, hobbies, overtime, projects, sports, and all kinds of other things. Neglected, gathering dust, and ignored. 
Yet how does the king feel about that? The king doesn't just shrug his shoulders. The king isn't going to just say, well, to each his own. The king is filled with fury. This is an offense, an insult, an outrage. And what the king did in in Jesus' parable, he gathered his army, sent it off, and murdered those murderers, put them to death, burned their city, destroyed them. All countries, all nations, all governments, all armies ultimately serve the king's purposes. And so the armies of the Roman Empire back in the first century, they did too. The city of people who rejected the invitation, those armies came in, surrounded it, besieged it, burned it, massacred it, destroyed it. And once the Lord's fuse finally runs down to the end, he will send his angels. And this entire world will burn, along with everyone who has rejected and put off and dismissed his invitation. So don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't hate the messengers. Come to the banquet. The son of the king, instead of neglecting us, he has paid perfect attention to us, every last detail throughout his life, every angle of God's law carried out and fulfilled for us. The son of the king endured the greatest violence ever at the cross in our place. And now he has united himself to us in our baptism, where he washed you clean from all of your ignorance, from all of your apathy, from all of your hostility, washed clean. So come to the banquet. Feed on the forgiveness offered to you in God's word. Drink deeply of the salvation that God hands out and gives to you in his house in worship. Sit down next to your fellow subject of the king at Bible class and dig in. Consume the salvation that God gives to you, given and shed for you in communion. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Sip away at songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. They sparkle and they hit the spot. Come to the banquet. Eat and drink. This feast that God has prepared for you, your forgiveness, your salvation, everything is completely prepared. It's also important that we come with the correct apparel. Uh, The king said that those subjects did not deserve to come to my feast. That's true. After the way they rejected him, when the king sent his servants out again, it wasn't about the personal worth of anyone. He said, invite everyone you can find, the rich and the poor, the young and the old, Whatever nation they're from or any political leaning, those who seem to have their life together on the outside or those who everyone thinks their life is just a mess, hand the invitation to them. 
deliver it to them. Give it to them too. The king said, this is for everyone that you can find. It's not the worth of the one being invited. It's the invitation. Because that's where a righteousness from God is revealed. That's where the power of God delivers it to that person, giving them faith to hold it and trust it. That's the invitation that the king's servants are not ashamed of. So he sent them out. He said, go. Go with this invitation. Jesus, later in Matthew, said, go and make disciples of all nations. Then he said, go. Go from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Along the streets, to the street corners, as the Apostle Paul and the other apostles carried that invitation out, they looked for major population centers to hand the invitation out to anyone that they could find. Our church body is still seeking to do that. Servants of the King, you and me included. We take the invitation to others in our community We ourselves do that, and we send missionaries to take this invitation to others where we can't go. The invitation went out, and the wedding hall was filled, and the guests were there reclining. Yet when the king came in to see the guests who were there, he noticed someone who wasn't wearing the wedding clothes. Why was it that no one else noticed? How come only the king saw this and pointed it out and seemed concerned about it? Well, only the king himself can tell a hypocrite, a pretender, a poser. The first half of this parable deals mostly with those who reject the invitation, don't come. But this second half deals with people who do gather with other guests of the king. Yet they decide they want to come on their own terms. The king can tell. The king can see those who are just there to please a family member or to look good around other people from the community. The king can see that. You can't escape him. Those who come to the wedding banquet thinking, I'm going to be just fine with my own works. I'm a pretty good person. I'm doing all right for myself. Yet those clothes reek. They're filthy rags. And the king won't stand for that. Or those who grow accustomed to putting on the same old sins week after week. I'm comfortable in these things. I'm going to keep wearing them. Yet oblivious of the odor, that they're terrible. The king won't have that. And so he told his servants, tie that person up hand and foot, throw them outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You need wedding clothes at the king's banquet. You you can't mix different outfits or try to. You need the wedding clothes. So for those who refuse to put them on, tied, inescapable, can't get away from that, out in the darkness, in cold separation from God, who is the one source of light and life and love, where there's weeping 
unending sorrow and gnashing of teeth, angry regret because you heard the invitation, you knew the gospel, but you didn't take the king seriously. And not just right outside the door, but into outer darkness, the furthest reaches for those who knew the invitation, but shoved it away. So don't just sit among the guests of the king. Take off your deceit and doubt. Take off your selfishness and slander. Take off your impurity and overindulgence. Put on your wedding clothes. These clothes were first put on you in your baptism. God did that. Clothed in Christ. Covered in his holiness. All of your sin concealed, hidden. God does not view that anymore. These are your wedding clothes covered in Christ. And throughout the New Testament, you see the apostles urging that. Paul said, clothe yourself with Christ and do not think about how you can gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is your holiness given to you by God. And wearing this, there is no blemish, no spot, no wrinkle. You are brilliant in God's sight. If you've ever been part of a wedding party and had to try on one of those tuxes, you know the, the shoes can feel cramped, uh, the shirt keeps coming untucked, and, and where do all those buttons go anyways in the cufflinks? How does that all work? Or if you bought a dress, it's too tight in some areas, too loose in others, but not your wedding clothes. They fit you perfectly. All of your sins and blemishes covered. All of your individual shame concealed. It's all forgiven and taken away in Christ, your heavenly bridegroom. Put on the correct apparel every day and come to the banquet. Jesus says that many are called, but few are chosen. How do I know? How do I know if I am one of the few chosen? Well, I'll tell you, it doesn't have to do anything with how good I am or any of us being better than others. You could think of your wedding garments as being all one piece of cloth, seamless, so valuable. God has called you. He predestined you. He has chosen you. He has redeemed you. He has set you apart. He has justified you. All of these things come wrapped together and given to you. Wear these wedding clothes. You are chosen in Christ. What a comfort. So will you come to the banquet? Why would we ever not? With the most important person ever, the king of all who has invited you, this comes at no expense to you, and your schedule is cleared. You're saved from condemnation and death. There's no better food, no better company, all things have been completely prepared. You have the correct apparel. So what are you waiting for? Come to the banquet. Amen. Please stand.
Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue by singing the Te Deum using the order that's printed out for you there. seated for prayer. the morning, O Lord, I call to you. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. 
You created the universe that surrounds us and the globe on which we live. You control all things through your Son, who sits at your right hand in glory. Give your word power as it works in our hearts and minds. Clear away our confusion and demolish our doubts. Send your spirit to strengthen both our confidence in your promises and our desire to live according to your will. The signs of the times warn us that the end of time is near. Protect us from scoffers who sneer at your truth. Spare us and Christians around the world from all forms of hate and persecution. Instill in the hearts of our children a desire to follow you as they prepare for future days. Help them distinguish between what is passing and what is eternal, between instant thrills and lasting joy. Encourage more young people to prepare for service in the public ministry of the gospel. Hold in your care, Lord, those who are experiencing physical or emotional pain and all who are afflicted by disease or facing death. Pour out your compassion on the grieving and comfort the mourners who miss someone they loved. Hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. Whether we pray together or alone, you have promised to hear and answer us. Give us patience to accept your blessing in whatever way you send them. In your love and wisdom, prepare us for the day when you will take us to be with you forever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to this new day. Defend us with your mighty power and grant that this day we neither fall into sin nor run into any kind of danger. And in all we do, direct us to what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Let us praise the Lord. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord's face ever shine upon you. The Lord grant you peace for all your days. Continue with our closing hymn, 902.
Thank you so much for gathering with us for worship and 